this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath a politician known as quote and quote the dutch donald trump has won the general elections in the netherlands Gert Wilders the leader of the far right party for freedom or the PVV as it is known is a front runner or at least one of the front runners to be the next dutch prime minister after his party won 37 seats in the just concluded elections ahead of the outgoing pm mark rutte's vvd which got only 24 seats wilders is both extremely anti islam and extremely anti immigration he is also against the european union membership of the netherlands and is opposed to sending weapons to ukraine his victory in a country known for its tolerance and multiculturalism has sent shock waves across europe so how did he end up winning the general elections what are the chances of him heading the next dutch government and what are the implications of his victory for the immigrant population in the dutch in the netherlands and muslims in particular who comprise 5% of the dutch population to discuss all these questions we have with us professor arjun bedi from the international institute of social studies erasmus university rotterdam arjun a very warm welcome to in focus thank you so much for joining us uh, thank you sampath it's a pleasure to join you so arjun uh, i was just thinking of this you know in january 2017 when donald trump became the president of the united states the dutch or at least one of the dutch channels made a video on the theme of america first netherlands second you know that it mocked donald trump and it went viral we all love the video and we love the dutch for making you know this video and taking trump's case as it were and now the dutch have elected their own donald trump so it's a it's a short period of time but a big journey how did this happen Yeah so I think that what you're referring to was indeed a, a mock mockery show and a, a sort of a very interesting uh, comedy aspect to it uh, well to to be honest uh, sampath this has been uh, it's taken a long time it's not new uh, you know geert wilders is one of the longest serving parliamentarians in dutch parliament he's been on the political scene for about 25 years already uh, he is now 60 years old and he started his political a career uh, well independently as part of this pvv party of for freedom in 2006 and he has been in dutch politics uh, winning uh, winning seats since that time so it's been a slow time coming now what seems to have happened and what seems to have worked in his favor this time is that he has become far more acceptable in the first place uh, he has become more appealing or you might say the country maybe has become less uh, tolerant but he has also reduced his extreme message so he has said publicly that he will govern for all all dutch people and not just a uh, white dutch folk uh he has said that he'll put the most extreme elements of his campaign of his uh, manifesto in the cool cast or ice cast in the refrigerator uh, so he has taken on a much milder position this year than in the past so i think that has played a role uh, that those who find his uh, other messages appealing realize that look uh, his anti-islam message in a country like the netherlands can't really uh, get through it's against the constitution so i think so first is greater acceptability for the position that he has advocated second i think he has tapped into uh, lots of economic issues that are being faced by 
by a large share of the population in the Netherlands. Uh, these are to do with the housing crisis. So cost of housing has increased. Uh, renting has become very difficult. The cost of healthcare has increased. Uh, so all these aspects have made him more popular. So uh, he is one of the few people advocating for a, a minimum wage and he's pushing that agenda. So he has also appealed on the economic side to various groups which would traditionally perhaps have voted for the left-wing uh, parties. So I think that's the second issue that has uh, played a role. Third, indeed, is to do with immigration and asylum seekers. While he's uh, stridently anti-Islam, he is also against immigration and he pushes his agenda, which is fall is fall, which means full is full. The country is full and we cannot take on any more uh, immigrants. And that also resonates with people because it links to their economic uh, issues. So if you say, look, the country is full and we're not going to accept any more asylum seekers and then say that all the money uh, uh, that we save from uh, from our expenditure on asylum seekers is going to be used for the Dutch population, that resonates. Money for international cooperation, international development, also to be used for Dutch uh, the Dutch population also resonates. So he combines the immigration, anti-immigration uh, asylum issue with funneling money to, to lower income populations. So that resonates as well. So I think these three uh, reasons greater acceptability, uh, greater concern for for uh, economic aspects for those who would traditionally have voted for the left-wing parties. And indeed, uh, it is known as a party which deals with immigration or is willing to take on immigration issues. Uh, I think that plays a role. The other aspects as well, for example, uh, the Netherlands has been going through something called the stickstoff crisis or the nitrogen uh, emission crisis. Uh, this essentially is about reducing nitrogen emissions and the former government uh, cabinet of Mark Rutte fell because of this. He couldn't reach agreement on that. And there's a large fund to buy out Dutch farms and stop them from uh, emitting nitrogen dioxide. And uh, he is against this, what he calls hysterical environmental concerns. Uh, and that also resonates that that kind of funding will then be used for other purposes. And finally, I think there's there's a little bit of People are a little fed up with the extremely woke culture that you see being perpetrated by some of the left-wing parties. So I think all of these add up. But I would say the main issues are greater acceptability, greater concern for the economic consideration of uh, relatively low-income households, and this strident view of uh, anti-immigration and anti-Islam. Right. Thank you so much, Arjun, for that. So that is really a comprehensive overview of the factors uh, behind his uh, victorious run uh, in these elections. I was also wondering, you know, you mentioned uh, the fact that he's uh, batting for the minimum wage and his positions have uh, got uh, gained a lot of traction, especially on economic issues. And, uh, and and I also saw that the left uh, green coalition or the labor green coalition, which are the left parties in Holland, they have not done really well this time. I think they got 25 or something. And I was just wondering, is this part of a, a trend that you've seen? Uh, you know, you're a development economist as well. Uh, going, you know, across the board in different countries, not just in Holland, where the core economic agenda, you know, you, you spoke about how he's on the one hand, you know, the entire anti-immigrant uh, line which he takes. But whatever money you supposedly save from not spending on immigrants, he wants to channelize towards lower income groups so addressing the the economic needs of lower income groups talking about a minimum wage and talking about the housing crisis 
has it happened that it is the right wing which is taking up all these hardcore traditional left wing issues whereas the left is sort of stuck on identity politics such as you know uh, the entire uh, the woke agenda so to speak which is a little bit removed uh, from the labor issues which they have been identified with for a long time and which seems to be caught up in in a number of you know culture wars and you know other stuff which are seen as elitist is this some kind of crisis of the left where the left's agenda has been taken by the right wing which seems very odd but is that the case so i think there is uh, indeed uh, some some element of of that that you see uh, at least in the netherlands i mean you see the emergence of writing right wing parties all around uh, europe as well you have uh, viktor orban's party in hungary you have the afd in germany uh, you have in france as well uh, for a long time marie le pen so i think that this uh, this is not new again that sort of the right wing parties they take on the issues of a disgruntled population so it's not unusual when there's economic crisis that uh, you appeal to other groups that as compared to your traditional groups so if you want things right wing parties are typically pro business uh, and left wing parties are typically pro labor i think those lines have been completely blurred uh, at least in the dutch dutch uh, situation and perhaps elsewhere and i mean internationally as well for that matter uh, so i think that what indeed i think the more interesting question is not so much what wilders has done right but what is it that other parties have not done uh, well enough or what are the issues that they have given up on which attracted people so it's it's very odd in the netherlands you might think that uh, a lot of muslims uh, no muslim will vote for wilders but this is simply not true uh, a lot of uh, muslim voters have voted for wilders and one of the reasons they give is that look we identify left uh, less with the left wing because we are far more conservative so if a left wing party uh, sort of is is supporting things like lgbtq rights or is supporting uh, transsexual uh, and identity politics as you called it they feel less comfortable with that i think as compared to a conservative right wing politician uh, who calls out these issues so it's ironic that in a lot of ways those groups that wilders attacks uh, like muslims are in fact also voting for him because they feel far more comfortable on with certain aspects of the agenda one and second they do not feel that uh, that they will be threatened too much because they think they will be protected by the constitution so one should not think of sort of the traditional left wing voters as one massive block uh, because for some reason there's always been this tendency to think that immigrants asylum seekers uh, will always vote on mass for the left wing parties but we don't see that uh, happening if you start looking at fine grained analysis that does not seem to be the case and indeed uh, uh, you know wilders i think has is and these parties are focusing on the disgruntled elements those on the lower socio economic classes who do feel threatened by further immigration and further asylum seekers coming to the country because they would then compete for uh, those positions those jobs those roles so i think it's uh, indeed a combination of these things right i mean that that's very interesting uh, to hear uh, arjun when you 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 mean you pointed out that uh, muslims too have voted for wilders who's like uh, extremely anti muslim in his pronouncements he's been convicted uh, for inciting uh, hatred against uh, moroccan dutch uh, communities but then you also spoke about the, their motivation and you think they 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 don't really 
think any harm will come to him on the anti-Muslim agenda because of the constitution. So I'm just wondering uh, how how justified is this faith in the constitution? What does this victory mean for the immigrant minorities in the Netherlands going forward? Yeah, so I I think that uh, you know. Uh, when he's talking about immigrant minorities in the Netherlands, I think he's most strident in terms of attacking the Muslim uh, minorities. Other groups are, are less attacked, although you, one does feel uh, attacked as well. Or if one looks around and thinks that one-fourth of the country typically does not really want immigrants in the country, it's sort of uh, it's sort of concern to others, not just Muslims. I think I think as far as Muslim migrants are concerned, yes, indeed, he has... Uh, he has uh, had an, I think, growing up, and and he used to live in the city that I I live in, as well, and that that neighborhood is is quite uh, predominantly Islamic now. But the city you live in, you mean Rotterdam? No, in Utrecht. Okay. So I think that it is indeed the case that uh, he had had these experiences, and that sort of has shaped him as a politician. I think that uh, you know the first article of the Dutch Constitution guarantees a number of rights, freedom of religion, etc., and so on. So. Uh, I think there's great faith in that. I think Dutch democracy has deep uh, roots. Uh, I think there is a concern among certain groups that these are uh, going to fray and these will be attacked. And it is a valid concern, certainly. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. So, yes, I mean, uh, in terms of you know faith in the constitution, that is fine. But then one of the other uh, consequences or effects of uh, such hate speech as Wilders and the kind of sentiments he stands for getting validated electorally is that uh, other uh, smaller groups, you know, individuals even, they might get emboldened to act out their resentment against minorities. There might be incidents, which of course w- would be unconstitutional, would not be condoned by law. But then there would be incidents, you know, which is what we have seen happening in other ca- other cases where hate crimes uh, can end up, hate speech leads to killings and attacks and so on. So from that point of view, uh, is there any sense of, you know, insecurity which is sort of going among the ethnic minorities yeah i think that that is a valid a valid point because uh, yeah i think at the level of the government and the state uh, i don't think this idea of banning the quran or, or shutting down mosques that will fly but yeah hate crimes at the individual level that it has become more acceptable to express your anger against a certain group or to mock somebody's uh, dress style that is 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 perhaps bound to increase. And that is not going to be restricted, I think, to Muslim minorities, but will have an effect on all kinds of immigrant groups, including Indians for that matter, uh, that you will feel that, I think, it's what you call micro-discrimination, micro-aggression. I think that you will certainly see people will feel that it is far more acceptable to to say these things openly and out loudly. Uh, again, just to remind you that this idea that uh, talking about immigration, talking about Islamophobia, became uh, mainstream before Pimfo- before before uh, Geert Wilders came on the political scene. He was preceded by a politician called Pim Fortown, uh, and who was ass- assassinated. Uh, and actually, it started then in the two thousands that it became acceptable to raise these sorts of issues, and that indeed at that time also led to certain amount of hate crime. So I think that may be a valid point that you might see an increase in such things. Uh, but I don't think at the level of, you know, the state or the government enacting such rules, I don't think that's going to happen. 
Right. Now let's move on to what's uh, what's likely to happen next. You know, with regard to Wilders's uh, governance possibilities, we know that two of the other uh, big parties, the Labour Green Coalition and the VVD, have uh, ruled out joining a, a government with Wilders at the helm. That leaves the National Social Contract or the NSC of Peter Omzeit, which has I think won more than twenty seats or so, and they. But even then, uh, NSC with the PVV will not have the number. So what are the realistic chances of Wilders becoming Prime Minister in the coming months? Yeah, so Dutch politics, you know, unlike unlike politics in, say, India or the UK, where the winner takes all and, you know, and first-past-the-post systems, here, indeed, it is, it has, it is usually a coalition. Um, and at the moment, it is still very early days. Uh, so the way it works is that there's somebody who's given the task of exploring and that has started. And at the moment, that is not looking so positive for for uh, Wilders. Indeed, uh, Peter Omtzigt yesterday, I think, said that uh, he would like to discuss issues before he discusses whether to take a role in government or not. Just kind of strange, I think, that these kind of uh, pronouncements. There's another party called BBB. Bay, 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 and, uh, and that party has won a smaller number of seats, but that party is willing to be in government with uh, with Wilders. But I think indeed the biggest uh, stumbling block is his is Day, which is the party that Wilders originally came from. Uh, that the the new uh, president or Leistrecker, the person who sort of the main person in that party, she has ruled out uh, entering the cabinet. What she has said is that she's willing to support a minority cabinet if that is formed. Uh, but that leads to a very unstable form of government. That, uh, that is something that uh, Vevede had relied on Pevede in the past, uh, but I think that's a very unstable form of government. So I think uh, it is possible that given, given Wilder's agenda, that if three parties uh, get together, that is NSA, Bebebe and PVV, that they will form a minority government which is supported on different issues uh, by the Vevede and on other issues by the Green Links. But it's a very, very messy, messy process. Now, my own view is that uh, Vevede is risking, is taking quite a risk uh, because the their government fell. There was a four-party coalition. It fell on the because of disagreement on immigration issues, on the creation of a two-system, uh, two-part immigration system, and on uh, a very specific issue to do with family reunification, that's what the government fell on. And now Wilder says, look, he wants to help solve that. And Vevede says, well, we will remain outside. So I think it's a big risk they are taking. But chances, having said all that, uh, I think on as far as the election results are concerned, it's clear that the country has voted for a right wing, once this sort of four-party government with Vevede in the lead, but if uh, these d- political games continue, I think it's only to the detriment of the country as well as to the VVD. But uh, it seems that they are not budging at the moment. But it's still very early days. Sometimes these take six to eight months to form. And during this time period, you still have a government continuing. Uh, so they, And they can't take any controversial decisions, but they continue, which is led by Mark Rutter. So that will happen. But I think his chances are not looking so good at the moment. Right. I was just I was just curious on Mark Rutter. He's he's only in his mid fifties. I mean, has he? Is, has, he said he's not going to be contesting. So is he like quitting politics, or he just stepped down from leadership of his party for the time being, and he'll continue in politics? I mean, it, it, we don't see uh, this kind of uh, decision taken in India, for example. 
Yeah, yeah, no, you don't see that in India. You see, you have politicians and they remain there. But he has been, you know, prime minister for thirteen years. Yeah, he's he's in his mid fifties. Uh, he's a vibrant uh, person. Uh, I think uh, you know they call him Teflon Mark because uh, all these political crises don't affect him. He always come has always come out uh, quite well. Uh, but I think that it's there's a history of Dutch politicians also retiring relatively early. And uh, so you have from other political parties also people, uh, you know, in the mid 50s stepping out and going on to do other things, going to work for the European Union, uh, take on roles in, in, in uh, semi-governmental organizations, broadcasting houses, uh, private sector companies as well. So I think that he, he will continue for now. But given that he has said that he will, uh, he will, he was no longer contesting elections. He will, uh, I think, take on the more senior role, advisory role, rather than continue in active politics, I think. Unless, you know, of course, you can never be certain about these things. But uh, there's a history in Dutch politics of of, uh, of of stepping out relatively early on. It's not that people continue for for into the 80s or 70s or 80s, etc., Right, I think that is a that's a, that's 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 a history and an example worth emulating in other countries as well. I think in India too, uh, it's not a bad idea to give uh, younger minds uh, an opportunity to govern. Thank you so much, Arjun, uh, for uh, Shari taking your time and talking about Dutch politics with us. So uh, it's a very interesting uh, development, and I think the coming months uh, of government formation and negotiations would be very interesting to watch. Thank you so much once again. Pleasure talking to you. Okay, thank you, Sampath. Take care. Bye. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.